0: The Detroit Tigers make some roster moves this weekend, organizationally and at the Major League level. Uh, we have the return of E-Rod finally three months later, and the Tigers take two of three from the Los Angeles Angels. All today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. It's part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked on Tigers. I'm of course your host Scott Bentley. Today is Monday, August, almost said July 22nd, 2022. Thanks for making Locked on Tigers your first listen every single day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. Okay, the Detroit Tigers take two of three, take two of three from the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Uh, Shohei Otani pitched on Sunday. The Tigers looked pretty solid against him. Erod came back on Sunday. Uh, Jackson Job called up. I guess we'll start there. I was kind of just spewing everything I wanted to talk about at the beginning of the show. Um, So right, of course, naturally, as uh, things happen in the world, right after I recorded Friday's show about the updated top 30 prospects list, Ah, uh, the Tigers make a plethora of promotions and demotions within the organization. That's just how it goes. Um, <laughs> not mad about it. Uh, so uh, highlighted by, however, the, uh, the the promotion of Jackson Job, who will now for the remainder of this season be in high single A, the West Michigan Whitecaps. That'll be a super cool thing. Uh, And then Wilmer Flores, uh, not promoted or demoted or anything, but in Erie did pitch this weekend uh, and looked pretty darn good. That was a very fun game to watch. So, uh, well, uh, kind of an implosion by the Tigers, at uh, the Erie Seawolves, I should say, at the end of the game. Um, But Wilmer Flores, at least, when he was on the mound, was absolutely electric. So uh, just some more organizational, some farm system stuff there. Uh, But the big news from the weekend was, Eduardo Rodriguez returning to the Detroit Tigers. Um, I have made it a point to not, and I've, we've had this conversation a few times with each other, so we don't need to go like super in-depth uh, on it again, but I have made it a point uh, that, that I was never going to speculate on what he was going through or really even talk about what he was going through unless it was, uh, like very, very public information that he decided was public information and he addressed it. And so if you want all the theories and everything, like I said, Heyman a-, a while ago wrote a piece on why he thought he he went back home and and went with his family. I'm not here to talk about that. You know, he he's back. It's been three months since he's pitched. It's been since late May since he's pitched at the major league level. Was on a rehab start. If you remember against the Rays, he took the mound and his velocity was way down. He got pulled from the game, and then he went and did a rehab stint in Triple A. And for he made a couple of starts down in Triple A, and then right when he made his quote unquote last rehab start, that's when he just disappeared. And so. Um, it's it's good to see him back. Uh, they had a press conference and everything because they they just want to get out in front of it, just get everything out in the open. We know it's going to be asked a million times, so let's just get this all done at once, rip the mandate off, and then we don't have to talk about it anymore. Um, and and that's what they did. So Erod had a presser. Hinch was was asked a lot of questions, um, and basically, again, I, I I don't know, and I'm not gonna like speculate and talk about what he could have been going through. Uh, but it was definitely something family-oriented, as that's what he kept bringing up. Uh, he kept saying his family is his number one priority. It always will be. And uh, the loss of checks, which is something that was kind of lost on a lot of this fan base, is it's not like he was getting paid during that time. He was not. He was on a list that did not pay him. Uh, so he goes on uh, go home, take care of some some family business, a family matter, and uh, just kept reiterating that his family would always be the top priority in his life. And he was never going to prioritize baseball or an organization or a paycheck over his family. And so that is why he made the decision he made. Said he's very grateful to be back. Very, very thankful to be back. Genuinely seemed very excited to be back on the mound. I mean, was posting all about it, um, was, was chopping up with teammates and everything. And, uh, and looked really good. He looked really solid, so we'll we'll talk about his performance uh, as a whole in the final segment because I I think we're gonna go in chronological order here, but I just want to get that all out of the way because um it's just easier too. So Erod is back, looked good, and uh, still has years left on this contract, and and if he um if he can pitch like. He is paid to do, and and at the end of the day, this season was kind of is a lost season. Whether he was a Cy Young candidate or not, it, it wouldn't have really mattered. So, if he can pitch a full season's worth, if he can have thirty starts the next three years, and uh, and pitch really well, I think people will will kind of uh, maybe not forget about because it was unprecedented what what we saw, but uh, will certainly I, I guess maybe. More forgiving as a fan base, maybe will will be the word we choose. Um, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't like that either. But you, you get what I'm trying to say. If 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 he lives up to anything the next three years, then uh, I don't think people will will really uh, dwell too much on this season and uh, and everything because everything for this team went wrong this year. It wasn't just Erod. So um, Friday's game is where we'll start, however, because that was a doozy. That was a, a Tigers masterclass. Uh, the offense did not show up whatsoever, and there's not even really anything to talk about because the offense did not show up whatsoever. It was a one-to-nothing final, and the Tigers had four hits and no walks, I believe. Yeah, they had four base runners. And the crazy thing is the Angels had three hits and one walk. So we both had four base runners, and they won one-to-nothing. Um, let's and like offensively no one was good. So like we don't even need to really talk about the offense. Literally everyone looked terrible. Patrick Sandoval is a is a young pitcher that I've I've liked for a while and you know this offense is absolutely horrific and is historically bad, like historically historically bad. Um but Patrick Sandoval was executing all of his pitches. His command was really good. His uh, his stuff was really good. That was very good execution. It's just the mistakes he did make. This team is so bad that they weren't able to take advantage of. So it was just a perfect storm of dude that looks really good and team that cannot take advantage of a single mistake playing against each other. You get this kind of dominant complete game shutout performance that Sandoval had Matt Manning started for the Detroit Tigers, and that is the bright spot in this one. Uh, His final line would be seven innings, three hits, one earned run, one walk, six Ks. Uh, One of the best starts he's ever had in his major league career. He looked absolutely fantastic. The reason why he looked fantastic, one, was four-seam fastball command. Uh, Only gave up three hits on the game. And the four-seam fastballs that he did miss got punished, but they got punished into – didn't get punished. There weren't enough of them to really get off a ton of hits or a ton of hard-hit balls. The average exit velocity – on the game for him was 83 miles an hour, and on the four-seam fastball specifically was 81. Uh, so he was really, really, really solid. Um, and yeah, the, the four-seam fastball command, I thought, was uh, was very good enough, I guess is the phrase I want to use. It was good enough. But the biggest thing with him was the slider. The slider was absolutely fantastic. It's probably the best breaking, the best I've ever seen his breaking ball. And he's kind of had this issue in his development in the minors. Issue might not even be the right word because it worked out fine in this one. But when he was first coming up, we were told he had a crazy good curveball. And then he tried to learn a slider or incorporate a slider more into it in the low levels of the minors. And if you remember, there was that conversation everybody had when he was coming up through the minors of, Oh, like th- these two pitches, I don't like the, the grip for them kind of mixed together. And now it's just kind of one like weird slider, curveball y mishmash pitch. And he, he wasn't able to really separate them. And in this one, he technically, according to Baseball Savant, threw 25 sliders and nine curveballs. But it was kind of in the same boat of there were a couple like that were blatantly like that was definitely the curveball. But there were a couple sliders that I was like, I'm not sure that's a wholehearted like like purebred slider, you know what I mean so um, but regardless, no, no matter what the pitch was, uh, his sinker was looking really good so he still had three pitches going for him on the day and I thought the breaking ball was unbelievable. He had seven of his 12 whiffs on. That slider and his CSW percentage on the slider alone was 48%. And that's a pitch he threw 25 times. Almost half of the sliders he threw were either called strikes or swinging strikes. Uh, 32% CSW percentage on the game. He looked unbelievable. He was almost perfect. A couple of mistakes, like I said. But the Angels, you want to talk about another team whose offense is really, really laboring um, and, and cannot take advantage of mistakes. The Los Angeles Angels are certainly in that category, too. It's just us to a historical extent and them to like a bottom of the league this year extent. You know what I mean? So uh, Matt Manning looked unbelievable. It's just unfortunate that uh, this offense didn't show up and we weren't able to take advantage of his incredible start. Joe Jimenez pitched in this one as well. He looked really good and Jason Foley pitched in this one. He looked very good as well. So let's get into Saturday and Sunday's game. But first, I got to tell you all about our friends over at LinkedIn Talent Solutions. As you gear up for fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job and that purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questioning make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. That's why small business rates LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you create the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Well, now you do. So post your free job for free, your free job for free <laughs> at linkedinjobs.com slash MLB. That's linkedin.com slash MLB to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, everybody, what is up? Segment two. I don't think I've ever started a segment off by saying what is up. Um, (laughs) Maybe the beginning. Is that what I say? I honestly don't even know what my opening is. It's just so second nature to me and like muscle memory that I don't even know if I like actually thought about it. If I know what I said, it's just like light on intro music plays and then words come out. Um, Segment two here. We're going to talk about the Tigers Saturday game. Uh, Tigers have won two games in a row at the time of this recording. And... Saturday's game was actually a really good baseball game. I very much enjoyed it. I thought it was a battle of two teams who had much better offensive approaches at the plate than on Friday. Like Friday was not. I really enjoy good pitching and there was a lot of really good pitching in that, but the inability for both teams to take advantage of the mistakes that the pitchers did make was kind of just like, all right, I I watched this game with a couple of my buddies and they are angels fans uh, from California. And, uh, we all both said, like two innings into the game, okay, this is going to be a one nothing final. Like that was the, the Angels score in the second inning, and we both looked around. And we were like, all right, that's that's the final score. Neither of these teams are scoring because the offensive approach was terrible. Whereas Saturday and Sunday, for that matter, but we'll get to that. Um, Saturday, both teams really had a, a much more patient, and, and I think. Uh, I think I've said this before, patiently aggressive approach at the plate where like you you're taking when you're supposed to be taking, you're not doing a a bunch of chasing um, and you are able to take advantage of pitchers mistakes as well by being aggressive. Both starters in this game, Reed Detmers and Tyler Alexander combined for five strikeouts between the two of them. So definitely a a much different change of pace tigers win this one four to three um no one scored after the fifth inning for either side uh but the angels scored in each of the first three innings and the tigers scored their four runs in the first five innings um so again our bullpen has been really solid this year and our offense is really bad and can go cold at any time so that's why you get an entire second half of a game where there is no where there is no scoring. Um, but, again, I, I really did think, especially in the first half of this game, that the offensive approaches were significantly better. Uh, Riley Green with a couple of hits. There was this uh, discourse going around at, at the beginning of the weekend where it was like, Riley Green is, you know, when do we start having the conversation about the fact that Riley Green is struggling and whatnot? We'll get to Sunday's game because that's uh, – he I'm I not going to say he answered that question because it is one game at the end of the day, but he certainly looked very good on Sunday. Um, and so ha- him having two hits on Saturday and then following it up with Sunday's performance, I think certainly uh, injected a little bit more confidence into people that might have been slipping. Uh, oh, we also talk about the Robbie Grossman thing. We'll do that at the end if we have time. Um, so two hits for Riley Green. Uh, Javi had a really rough weekend really rough weekend offensively didn't have a a ton of errors or anything but uh, a really really brutal weekend offensively for Javi Baez Um, and yeah like this wasn't an offensive masterclass because uh, like they had 11 hits and and a couple of walks but um, it's like even when they score runs they like don't like they had they had what is that 14 14 base runners and scored four runs uh, did not hit a single home run, had four doubles. And one of them was Cody Clemens, like bloop double down the line that he was very out in front of and probably shouldn't have even been uh, like a, like a double. Um, and it, it's just, it's, I've never seen a team where it almost feels like they accidentally score runs. Like that's legitimately what it feels like. Like, even when, there And again, like on Sunday, Riley Green hit a ball 450 feet. Like, obviously, that is a, and a great thing, and he hit the ball hard, and that's very much on purpose. But, like, it, it almost just feels like in this, like you had 14 base runners and and mustered four runs, and you didn't score in the entire second half of the game. Like, it's just, even when it's going right, you're watching, and you're like, oh, like, what, we leave on 11 base runners again in scoring position, like... I don't know. It's just it's such a frustrating year, and I know everybody shares that sentiment. But we will take a win. We will gladly take a win in the offense. I thought uh, definitely again in the first half of the game was much more patient, which almost always leads to much better success, uh, and especially against an Angels bullpen that's not uh, absolutely unbelievable. Being able to get Detmers, who since being recalled to the majors had had a the had like the no hitter right early in the year and then a couple of starts later got sent down because he wasn't really missing bats and it was kind of like whatever right he only had like two strikeouts i think in the no hitter uh game but then he comes back and he's a swing and miss machine Is his k per nine has been really high and, and he's been missing a lot more bats and i really like the kid going forward i think he's got a really good uh really good fastball curveball combo there but uh, the, the team didn't chase like they did in the first game in in game two. And and that's obviously a night and day difference. And uh, being able to knock their starter out of the game early is uh, is is something that we will gladly take. And that's a old adage of baseball. that's always been around and, and is always a good thing. So um, even though they only had three pitchers pitch in this one, because, uh, yeah, Berea had whatever, almost pitched three innings on his own. So, pitching-wise, Tyler Alexander starts this one uh, for the Tigers. He goes six innings, seven hits, three earned runs, one walk, two Ks. Uh, this was pretty much just a I, – I feel like I say this every time Tyler Alexander starts, actually. This was, again, just a textbook start on how you pitch when you miss barrels. That's just – that. that's what Tyler Alexander is. He's not going to get a ton of swings and misses. He's not going to – rack up a ton of strikeouts uh, unless for a random day in 2020 sets a al strikeout record but you know he had five whiffs on the game and two strikeouts and his csw percentage was 19 percent yet he went six innings and uh and, and got a quality start out of it but and his average exit velocity was 88 miles an hour that's a little hot they were hitting the off speed pretty well uh the change up in the slider was hit were hit pretty hard but the cutter the pitch he threw the most average exit velocity on the cutter was 78 miles an hour. Like he is, he is very, very, and that's why, again, when you're talking about barrel missing pitches, that's what a cutter is supposed to be. And some people have ridiculous cutters, right? Like Corbin Burns and such who, you know, they throw cutters that are, that are so crazy that they end up being bat missing pitches. But Tyler Alexander is, has used and and figured out how to make that pitch a very, very effective, barrel missing pitch and uh when he's on man he he has certainly worked his way into being in the rotation for the remainder of this season 100 alex lane in this one looked phenomenal struck out mike trout on three straight curveballs one of the best pitches in baseball is the alex lane curveball objectively all the numbers say it it's awesome to watch uh joe jimenez with another great inning one inning two k's and gregory soto had to walk somebody because that's gregory soto but Still has a clean inning, gets out of it with a win. His ERA is down to three oh nine on the season. Um, so yeah, it's pretty. It was an enjoyable, like back and forth baseball game. It was. Uh, it was a good. Like if I wasn't a Tigers fan, this would be a game that I would have enjoyed watching, even if the second half was a little less exciting than the first half of the game. Um, okay, let's get into the big game from the weekend, Sunday's game in which uh, Shohei Otani faced off against the return of Eduardo Rodriguez. First, though, got going to tell you all about our friends over at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find the reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, eSports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts they have you covered. Head to bet Online today or use your mobile device to know about the trends in action happening today. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Segment three of Locked on Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. That's my intro, not my segment three start. Okay, so the Tigers would win uh, on Sunday by a score of four to nothing. Very, very solid win. Like a solid, you know, they seemed in control for most of the game. They played one of the best players in baseball really, really well. Just a really, really solid victory. For the Tigers, the pitching was solid. Um, Let's start with the offense. So Shohei Otani on the bump for this one. He was trying to nibble. And he he was very much trying to get, like, on the black every single pitch. And a lot of times I would imagine that he is successful with that as he is one of the better pitchers and hitters in baseball, obviously, as we all know by now. Um, Also, the Angels travel so well. And Otani, the Otani effect is definitely um, a thing. He has a lot of international fans just like all over the world that are now Angels fans, right, because they signed him. And um, it's really, really cool to see. Awesome for the game of baseball. And, um, yeah, very, very cool. So seeing the stadium pretty full, even if it wasn't with all Tigers fans, is still, you know, high, high energy atmosphere this weekend for the most part. Um, so Otani pitches and – he would get pulled after the what the fourth inning, uh, because of a stomach virus apparently. But he went four innings, five hits, three and runs, four walks, and two Ks. He was just he was not able to hit his spots, and it wasn't dramatic misses. There was a couple for sure, but it was not a a dramatic like oh he's missing spots by by a foot and a half all game. It was just he was trying to hit corners. And he was missing the corners by four or five inches, just enough to be like comfortably balls that have missed the zone. And uh, he, he just, he wasn't able to, to lock in and really hit all of his spots that, uh, th- that he usually is able to hit. And, and that splitter that is widely considered to be one of the best pitches in all of baseball. He only threw six times, just didn't have the splitter in this one. Uh, mostly went to the slider and again, effective pitch, had 10 whiffs in four innings, not a terrible performance, 25% CSW percentage, not terrible. It's just kind of like a, like a mass start. Like it, it just, it, it, and, and to the Tigers credit with that, the reason that it was able to be this effective start is because they did not chase and they made him attack. Uh, he made him, geez, they made him attack them. They waited for him to throw balls in the zone because they realized that he was trying to nibble and it wasn't working. And obviously we get out to a great start 30 seconds into the Tigers first at bat uh, first pitch. Riley green sends a ball 450 feet to the deepest part of the ballpark. Um, He had an incredible game. Riley green looked unbelievable. And that is why games like this are why we have to, I know it sucks to hear this, and I know I would be mad if I said this too, but we have to still be patient. Nothing is going to change the way this season has gone. No individual performance. No, like, there's nothing anyone on this team could do. We could win out. We're missing the playoffs, right? Like, this is unsalvageable. So we're going to have to to be patient on some of these guys. And right, performances like Sunday are, are why – so many people are still very, very high on and are still very excited on Riley Green. He goes two for two with two walks, a home run and a double, and an incredible diving catch in center field. Uh, one of the fastest sprint speeds by a center fielder all year on the play. He was just phenomenal. He was unbelievable, and um, his OPS is now back up to 6.37 on, on 12 two games. He had two hits on on Saturday as well, but. Um, yeah, it was good to see him elevate the ball. He's had a thing where in the last few weeks, good to see him draw walks too. Uh, cause he had been really struggling with that. But in the last few weeks, he has been, uh, really just pounding the ball to second base. Like it's just been ground ball, to second base and a strikeout. That's like all he's done. So to see him get in on a heater inside and turn on it and have the, the exit velocity and the launch angle, uh, to really just just give one a ride it was really really good to see so hopefully it's a sign of things to come hopefully it's a turning point point. and uh, yeah we will we will certainly keep an eye on that as that is um, one of the only exciting things this team has left going for him is Riley Green really just, again solid offensive performance wasn't a hit parade by any stretch I mean they had seven hits and uh, one two three four walks so 11 base runners it wasn't like this unbelievable performance but every at-bat was going deep into counts off of Otani. And they were getting, again, they're, they're terrible with runners in scoring position. This offense is just brutal um, with, with risk. But they they were getting runners on every single inning. Two men on, bases loaded. Almost every single inning Otani pitched. And so uh, just really good to see a, a different approach and a more patient but still aggressive ap- approach at the plate for the entire team on Sunday. Another um, person I want to talk about, Kerry Carpenter, a pretty quiet weekend. Uh, still rocking like the highest OPS on the team. If you don't want to look at like, is he a qualified hitter or not with that bats? Um, but certainly, you know, he was bound to come back down to earth eventually, but I mean, only one strikeout on Sunday. It wasn't like he was, he still looks way different than he did the first ten at bats of his major league career, where he was just overpowered against struck out every time. So we'll see what happens. Uh, we'll see how he does going forward. I still want him to play literally every day. I, I don't. think There's really an excuse for him not to. Okay, let's go to the pitching side of things. Uh, we'll start with the bullpen, just because Erod's going to be the longest conversation. The bullpen's easy because everyone looked pretty solid. Will Vest I thought looked better than he has in a while. Uh, Jason Foley continues to impress me. That sinker is unreal, man. And if he can just get a solid secondary pitch, I, I think Jason Foley can be a really, really darn good reliever for a long time. Andrew Chafin looks solid, uh, came in with the matchup, got Jared Walsh on a, honestly, a hanging slider, but Jared Walsh is really bad against lefties. And Gregory Soto comes in for the ninth, gives up a, uh, a hit, but with the strikeout and just started throwing the ball really down the heart of the plate, and the Angels offense has been struggling as well. So uh, pretty easy to get out of that ninth inning. So Erod uh, will do this, and we'll do Robbie Grossman really, really quickly because I think that's important too. Uh, but Erod goes five innings, four hits, nowhere in runs, three walks, and five Ks. Didn't have the best command in the world. I think him and Otani were kind of doing the same thing in the sense that they were both trying to hit the black every time, and, and Erod was just barely missing the zone. He was around the zone all game. Did not miss badly as, as far as like the ball going way out of the zone, really the entire game. He was in and around the outer edge of the strike zone all game, which is uh, clearly what you want, but... Ideally, you just like a few more, you just like a little bit more uh, like called strikes, right? You just like a little bit more balls that, that did get the black and weren't just an inch or two outside of the plate. But for a first game back, going up and, and going five shutout um, with five strikeouts, we'll gladly take it. Only four whiffs. That's obviously low, but but uh, we're going to let him get back into the into the mix here. Uh, velocity was down about a mile an hour to two miles an hour across the board expected again, first game back hasn't pitched at the major league level in three months, but the average exit velocity was under 85 miles an hour. That's really solid. The cutter was an incredibly effective pitch in this one. Uh, and as far as missing barrels and getting soft contact um, and then the sinker was honestly a, uh, a really solid called strike pitch. He was fooling a lot of people on it, but I I really like e and, and He's someone that I really, really praise the signing a lot, and I will continue to do so. And I know a lot of people are already out on him, and it's just like whatever. There's nothing he can do. But um, this is a this is a really solid pitcher, and uh, I I don't we didn't sign him to be like the ace on a World Series team um, because the presumption was we had a lot of starting pitcher pitchers in our farm system, and one of them would turn into that. So we'll wait and see, I guess. But uh, Erod is is a guy who can be a very solid number two starter on a competitive team when he is going and uh, he's still relatively young and, and everything. I, I really do think that I'm, I'm just, I'm not losing sleep over the, the like going missing thing. I'm really not like this is him pitching would not have changed how this season ended up. And if he has family stuff and that's his top priority, let him take care of business. Uh, during again a lost season anyway in which we weren't competitive at all uh, and not even the pitching's fault so I I, I'm I'm not losing sleep over it and uh, I think the rest of the contract will be what what how we determine because again didn't get paid for while he was gone so we'll see how he does for the next three years and uh, we'll see what the future plans with him and the Detroit Tigers are after this season, but very, very solid first start back. I do want to touch on one thing before we go Oh, two things. Gee whiz. Uh, Sorry, Willie Peralta DFA. would A lot of people freaked out. Don't really understand why. Not that Willie was a a bad pitcher. He was solid, but uh, honestly, since being reinstated, he has really struggled, even though the ERA might not show it. He is walking a ton of people, he is allowing a, a lot of base runners and just like squeaking his way out of danger. Uh, he was like the fifth highest leverage reliever that, that we've used and everybody and he's 33 and his contract ends at the end of the year and everybody was running around like it was some crazy, horrible decision to DFA him. I don't really understand it. Um, with a month and a half left in the season, if you weren't going to bring him back, I, okay, then I, I, I would much. The implication was on Hinch's part was that they were going to call up a a kid from the minors, most likely, and that was going to be the long-term replacement for uh, Willie Peralta. Obviously, the immediate move was Erod, but I, I I just I can't really understand why that was like such a big deal to people. That that makes sense to me. So um, we'll see what happens and and if he lands somewhere else. And uh, yeah, I, I wish him nothing but the best. He was a phenomenal pickup, uh, a rare uh, Avila W in, in the record books. That was a very, very solid signing and, and a guy that we signed to a minor league deal before last year and ended up starting and pitching a lot of valuable innings out of the bullpen as well over the last two years. So uh, definitely a bright spot in a two year, well, seven year stretch with not very many um, but his two-year stretch, definitely definitely wish him nothing but the best and, and hope that he can go maybe pitch for a competitor uh, and, and provide some valuable innings down the stretch. But uh, not a move that I really understand, like, freaking out about either. Last thing I want to talk about, Robbie Grossman. I'll try and make this quick. Um, there was a report that came out over the weekend by several beat writers that the Atlanta Braves organization pretty much sat down with Robbie Grossman And after like one meeting, fix his swing, they just had the video department and the scouting department and the analytical department sit down with him. And they went over his swing from this year, realized what was wrong with it, told him to fix it. And now he's hitting really well in Atlanta. Um, Him hitting well in Atlanta doesn't bother me. I don't care. He's not on the team anymore. He was not good for us him being good for us this year would not have fixed this season. Um, I, I don't, I, I honestly, I, I hope he keeps hitting well. I'm, I'm a big Robbie Grossman fan. He was one of my favorite players on the team last year. Um, what does bother me is the fact that how does no one in our front office have this ability? Like, how is it so easy for a competent organization to find this problem and fix it immediately Upon getting traded to the team, they sat down with him once and it was solved. How is that so easy for another organization? And it is impossible for the Detroit Tigers. How is that possible? It's just, it's mind boggling how inept this organization just continues to be and has been for almost a decade now. So that's the frustrating part. I, I don't. I don't care that he's like hitting well. I, I as far as like oh Robbie, like I, I don't care. Good for you, man. I'm, I'm, I'm glad. Maybe you can play yourself into having a job again next year too. But like, I, I the part that frustrates me is just how is that possible? How are we paying everybody in in our front office and all of these like analytical departments and and pro scouts and assistant GMs and everything. We are paying these dudes a lot of money. And how is every other organization able to just sit down and fix everything and with one meeting. And we over half a season in got, you know, five sixty OPS, Robbie Grossman. It's unbelievably frustrating. I do think it leads to, a conversation we will have in the off season and in a more depth uh, area, but that didn't make sense, but uh, we will have more in depth in the off season. Um, I think we're going to see a lot of house cleaning. I think the new GM is going to come in and it would not surprise me if we saw a lot of hirings and firings within the Detroit Tigers front office. And like I said, all those analytical departments and everything, we kind of just did a complete overhaul because, um, Stuff like that is just unacceptable. Just unacceptable. All right. That's all I got for you. Thanks for making Lockdown Tigers your first listen every day. Now make your second listen to Lockdown MLB podcast. MLB expert Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor, passion, and his unique perspective on every team and the biggest stories from around the league. Follow the number one daily league-wide podcast, Lockdown MLB, on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. That's all I got for you. Um, Sundays always, or Monday, episodes always go long. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Let's go try and win some more ball games. Let's hope, uh, Riley green stays hot. Maybe has figured out something, maybe tweaked to swing. Uh, hopefully Erod is, is here to stay and Ed can give us some, some valuable innings down the stretch. Cause Lord knows with all the injuries we still have, we need innings. Hopefully Matt Manning continues to grow on that start and, and maybe start turning into that solidified big league arm that, that we thought he was going to be for so many years. um, yeah, still got some stuff to talk about down the stretch, and still got some some stuff, uh, believe it or not, to to keep tabs on and, and potentially look forward to. So, peace and love, going to therapy's dope, and I will catch you all tomorrow. Go Tigers, baby!